God gave me two standards that we need to look at. One is Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds mm. the house, you're working in vain. Mm. This is, you know, you're laboring. This is, this is God's work. Mm-hmm. He is at work redeeming the world. Mm-hmm. He's calling people to himself. He has a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for, for his own purposes, his plan is to work through us. Hi, you're listening to the Zantaler Podcast. When my family started our homeschooling journey, there were so many decisions to make. But one of our best decisions was choosing to use BJU Press Homeschool. I've never seen my kids so excited to get textbooks before. I'm amazed by how interesting and interactive the lessons are. My kids actually look forward to them. We use the online video lessons for all our courses, but I know some families choose to teach from the textbooks. What I love is that I can trust BJU Press to uphold our values. The Bible and biblical principles are woven throughout each subject. I'll admit, I was a bit nervous when I started homeschooling, but I've found a wonderful online community of other BJU Press homeschool families and consultants. The Homeschool Hub also makes my job easier. I can set up our schedules and rearrange them with just a few clicks. On the dashboard, I can see each of my kids' progress and the assignments page shows me quickly what's ready for me to check or grade. I'm glad my son's biology assignments are automatically graded. BJU Press Homeschool has given us the tools and confidence to homeschool our children. For more information, do what I did and visit the BJU Press Homeschool website or talk with your local HomeWorks consultant. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Zan Tyler podcast, where our goal is to help you thrive on your homeschooling journey. Let me just take a minute to ask you to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. And if the podcast has been encouraging to you, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Each review really does help us. We're available on YouTube now, and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where we have even more content and some great reels. We have a great podcast for you today. My close friend, Tammy Wood, will be sharing her 30-year homeschool adventure with us, which includes five international adoptions. In all, the Woods have seven children. The Bible tells us to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And today we will talk about what that looks like in Tammy's life and how that can encourage us in our own. So welcome, Tammy. Thanks so much for being here. Welcome, everybody. Today, I am so thrilled to have one of my dearest friends with us. She lives around the corner, if you can call that, call it around the corner in the country. (laughs) But we've been neighbors for over 20 years, and that's been a lot of fun. We've homeschooled our children together. And so I just want to introduce you to Tammy Wood. Tammy, thank you so much for coming over today. Absolutely. So we're having a lot of fun because we're doing this in person. Yeah. And uh, so, so we don't always get to see each other a lot with both of our crazy schedules. So, Tammy, I want you to tell me um, about your uh, how many children you have and how you and Bill got into homeschooling to begin with. We have seven children, and uh, we got into homeschooling sort of 
I don't know. Uh, Catherine was a very young, her birthday's in mid-August, so she was going to be a very young mm -hmm. kindergartner. Mm -hmm. um, she, even as an adult, is someone who needs a lot of sleep, and she was still really napping a lot. So back in the day, this was in the seven, uh, the 90s, like 92, uh, you either got slated for morning kindergarten or afternoon kindergarten. For, and she got afternoon. So I went to my local school and I said, oh, this is not going to work. She's going to be too tired. She's used to napping, blah, blah. And um, they said, well, too bad for you. <laughs> and uh, I said, you know, I really, I honestly kind of begged. I'll, I'll take her. I'll do whatever. Right. But we you really didn't need the bus. Need, yeah. I need a morning slot. And they're like, no. So um, I just said, well, then I'll homeschool. <laughs> and the principal said, you can't do that. I'm like, Oh, yes, I can. And, you know, God kind of used Those my... were the wrong words oh, no. to tell you. Oh, no. God used that stubborn streak that is, he knows that I have. And so he's like, you can't do that. Like, yes, I can. And so he said, well, if you do, you have to sign a waiver that absolves us of all responsibility for her education. I said, I'll do that right this minute. <laughs> sign that thing. Went home and said, guess what, Bill? <laughs> And he is such a trooper. He's just wonderful. But um, so it was really a blessing. I did not know until later I went back and looked. So this was in 92. I didn't realize that SCAES had only come into being like in 1990. Right. And like we weren't legal until 1992. Well, and, but that's why, you know, I knew about that. Uh -huh. And so I had the courage and I knew my rights, you know, I could certainly homeschool. You need to get up at the time. <laughs> so anyway, um, so I thought, who can mess up kindergarten? So we started with kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, that's and... what Joe said to me too. Who can mess up kindergarten? <laughs> I know, I, and I think that's how a lot of COVID moms felt. Like, well, we can't mess up any more than we're seeing on these virtual classes right, right, right now. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, it can't be worse than her being so grumpy and half asleep. You know, mm -hmm. so let's just do what we do. And there you go. You know, I was going to homeschool for kindergarten and then I was going to homeschool for a couple more years. And then um, I finished up 30 years last fall. So I mean, last this spring. Yeah, 30 years. That's pretty <laughs> hardcore. That is unbelievable. Yeah. So how did, when you just started out of the blue like that, I mean, we have a lot of people who, who came into COVID never knowing they would homeschool, but we also have a lot of people now. I, I, I met somebody at the last convention I went to that just had babies, but they were preparing for homeschooling. So how did, did you feel overwhelmed not being prepared at the beginning um, or were you just very, you know, just knew that the Lord had led you to do that? I think it was a part of that. I'm just knowing, knowing that God had led us and I can look back and see how he had prepared me. Part of that preparation mm -hmm. was that um, I do have a master's degree in library science. And so there's that mindset was, I may not know everything, but I know where to find it. Yeah. And so, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, well, I'll just go out and find out what I need to know. <laughs> um, the other thing was Catherine is one of these natural students. Mm -hmm. And so teaching her was easy. She was asking to be taught. She wanted to learn to read. So basically going to the library and getting some good books at that back in the day, um, you know, that was 
So, so let's fast forward to her senior year. Did she have a perfect score on the SAT? Um, no, she didn't really. I don't think she had a perfect score on the math part. But she had a perfect score on the, the on the English or writing or, or, whatever. or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, writing and like yeah, I, you yeah. know, in that terrible, I can't remember what it's called now either. But the first part of the SAT, right, she had right, a, right. She had a an eight hundred on. But that is more of a testimony to her diligence mm-hmm. and her um, her natural need to know. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. need to know everything so so and then um then lucinda who's two years younger but three years with grade wise mm-hmm. came along um and she was a totally different bird <laughs> <laughs> uh, she had a need to have fun <laughs> <laughs> yes she did yeah, she know, still right. does i love that about yeah, lucinda. so yeah. um but as we went along we realized later through um God's grace that she was severely dyslexic and um she also really struggles with asthma and those two together I think would have been really hard to be in a public mm-hmm, school just mm-hmm. asthma comes with all the allergies and uh just little sicknesses small little colds can turn into pneumonia with yeah. so yeah. quick yeah and so just the opportunity to have her at home and then we had the opportunity then to get her tested and to realize that she was dyslexic and then to move from there. Um, so it was a perfect fit and, and God knew that, but we didn't know that way right. back when. For but, both girls, for totally right. different for reasons. totally different reasons. Yeah. So what kept you homeschooling all the way through high school? Well, I actually sent Catherine to school one year um, at a local uh Christian private school is a wonderful school, but um, she came home one day and she said, because, you know, Catherine was born an old soul, (laughs) (laughs) and she said, Mom, can I wait until I'm older to have ulcers and just come back and be homeschooled? (laughs) And I said, oh, I don't know. I said, this whole idea just scared me so bad. Of the homeschooling in high school. Homeschooling in high school, because that's, you know... There's just certain things I knew I was not competent in. Right. Foreign language, science, what do you do? So, uh, but she had a vision and she said, I will do whatever if you will just let me homeschool for high school. So at that point, I moved more into a time manager and a resource person mm-hmm. than an actual teacher teacher. Now, I did teach some things, but mm-hmm. um, but I, I put my research uh, knowledge, you know, in yeah, and like uh-huh. started looking into what resources she needed. And I let her help me. What do you want to learn? So, so back then she wanted to learn German. Well, it wasn't easy. So we sent off to the University of Nebraska that sent us little cassette tapes <laughs> that had German on it. And then they sent little workbooks and uh, it was all through the University of Nebraska, but she was able to do German through, you know, through that program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she studied German in college. I mean, it, oh, so it was. Oh, she did. So that was mm-hmm. just really, for some reason, a passion of hers. It really was. Well, my mother, her uh, heritage is German. Okay. And so she I just thought that, that sounded yeah. really mm-hmm. cool. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Bill studied German in high school. So, you know, it, it sort of set the pace. But that's what she wanted to do. So even back then, um, a little bit of research and you could find anything you needed no, to do what even, you wanted you know, to do. Even in the nineties, that's right. And yeah. so I guess our girls graduated in 2005 from high school together. Mm-hmm. I want to say. So, um, so what, so you started homeschooling because Catherine would get so tired. So what, as you continued homeschooling, 
what became your vision or your reasons for homeschooling? Um, partly when we discovered that Lucinda was dyslexic. Mm -hmm. um, she really had a vision for um, being with her friends. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go do something fun. Yeah. So I, she and I kind of, I made a deal and I said, if you will let me work with your education mm -hmm. so that we can focus on that. Mm -hmm. Because um, I felt like that I wanted to make sure that she didn't get discouraged and she didn't always feel like I'm behind, I'm not smart, you know, right. yeah, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. That happens when you're in a group and you're the one that's not making the strides like that's at right. the same pace that everyone and else is. Not to interrupt you, but fast forwarding, she became a teacher. For that reason, she said, I know what it feels like to be a special ed kid. I know what it feels like to be working as hard as everyone else, but not making the same strides right. as everyone uh -huh. else, the mm -hmm. same gains. It doesn't look the same. So homeschooling gave us the flexibility. She didn't do her own writing like papers and things. She would dictate and mm -hmm. I would write down mm -hmm. what she wanted mm -hmm. to say uh, to way out in high school. Um, it gave us the flexibility to just work around her strengths and to um, give her accommodations for her the things that were difficult for her. But I told her, I said, you let me help you with your education and I will make sure you have fun. <laughs> and <laughs> that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> well, and so then that gave me the, uh, uh, the, you know, I knew I needed to go out and find some fun things. Mm -hmm. So I started some homeschooling groups. That's I, right. You started our support group yeah, out of this area. Right. right. Yeah. 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 And that was like, listen, I want to have some friends and she wanted to do things <laughs> with people. Um, but it, uh, it was fun. And, and there was always, uh, I usually plan like two years. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but it gave me, um, there was always something else I wanted to do. Oh, you know, we wanted to do that group activity. Mm -hmm. We wanted to do that field trip. We didn't get it to it this year. Mm -hmm. We want to study this. It'd be easier if we did that at home. So, um, you know, God didn't throw it all at me at one time. That would have been overwhelming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> right. but I could, you know, I could break it off in little chunks. Right. And yes. then I had a if vision. If God had it. said to you when you started homeschooling, Catherine, um, and this was going to last for 30 years, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so, you know, God is gracious. He knew what I could, he knew what would push me forward, which was I wanted both of my children to feel um, successful mm -hmm. and to do what I knew that their potential was, mm -hmm. but it may not look the same as everybody else's journey. So, um, and then, uh, you know, anyway, so that's, that's how we got started. And I always had this like two year vision, you know, two years, Oh, we got to do this, got to do that. And there you go. The rest is history. <laughs> okay. So you had two girls. Tell us how that morphed into 30 years with <laughs> only having the two girls. Right, what, right. what happened next in the Wood family? Well, um, part of my vision was, uh, having my girl, I enjoyed having them with me. Mm -hmm. And so I took them with me almost everywhere. Um, uh, and at one point at our church, we had a lady who, this was in, this was in the early nineties when China first started opening up and letting the United people from the U S come in. Um, it was a real change in paradigm for, for that, 
uh, you know, those foreign relations. Yeah, right. And a friend of ours from our church went. Uh, she had a medical degree, and so she was able to get into some of these orphanages. She came in back. In China. In okay. China, <laughs> yes. She went to China. She came back, and she did, this was before PowerPoint, she did a slideshow, and she talked about them. And so Lucinda was five. And she was with me in that meeting when they were talking about the needs of these kids. And she looks at me and she says, Mommy, you must go to China and get 22 of those children. <laughs> and I've often said, why 22? And she's like, at five years old, that sounded like a perfectly round yeah, number, number to me. You know? <laughs> What's the big deal? You know? So, um, so you know, in my own faith way, I said, uh, no. <laughs> Not doing that. I told her and I said, honey, I, no, our mama is not doing that. So she's like, yes, yes, that's what you need to do. So, and I tell parents, be careful because famous last words, if you really feel like that's what I need to do, you just need to pray about that. And she took that seriously and she began to pray and she enlisted the help of Catherine, who was seven, and they prayed and prayed and prayed. And they were not nice about it at all. Now, you know, in God's province, we had been um, financing a local Christian ministry, mm -hmm. and they had, as part of their, uh, they sent out a quarterly magazine. In that magazine, they had what they called Children of Promise. These were children that were available for adoption all over the world, and some in the United States, mm -hmm. but a lot mm -hmm. of international mm -hmm. adoptions. So they would cut out little pictures and put them on my refrigerator and leave me <laughs> notes and say, Mommy, can you really resist this face? <laughs> mommy, we think she looks just like you. <laughs> mommy, can't you picture this child in our family? I, I, I kid you not. It was a real. I passion. have known you for so long, and I never knew that part of the story. <sighs> it is amazing when kids start praying. Yes, it's, yes. It's like we can't just think, oh, they're kids. I right, mean, right. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that is exactly mm -hmm. right. And so, um, <laughs> you know, it's all about like. My, my heart, they, they were 15 and 13 before we went to China. So it wasn't like this oh, was. So this was like an eight-year process. Yes. Yes. And they okay. were relentless. So um, anyway, the Lord really began to lay it on my heart. And at one point, um, I just knew. And so when I just knew, I said to the Lord, that's fine, but you need to tell Bill, I am not. <laughs> so one night, Bill said, you know, the girls keep talking about international adoption. What do you really think about it? I'm like, well, let me tell you, I really feel like that this is what we need to do. And he said, call tomorrow. We're in. So that began um, the process. And goodness, God really showed up in a big way. And uh, it wasn't that it wasn't difficult, but... So let's give the end before we give the journey. So how many um, Chinese children did y'all end up adopting? We adopted two, uh, uh, Rebecca and Beth are both, uh, they're from mainland China. Mm -hmm. And then we adopted three who were a sibling set from Taiwan. Okay. And, and what years were those adoptions? Um, okay. So we adopted Rebecca. We brought her home in 2003. And she was how old? 13 months. 13 months. Okay. And then um, two years later, so 2005. So the year that Catherine graduated, we brought Beth home and she was 16 months. Okay. So just slightly behind Rebecca. Okay. And then tell us, because I, I mean, I remember we had a shower for... 
It was okay. Who was first, Beth or Becca? Rebecca. Rebecca. Okay. Yes. I, I mean, I've got the pictures I came across mm-hmm. the other day that I have promptly lost again. I have got to do a good job with my non-digital um, pictures. But then, so how long was it between Beth and the um, when you got Hannah, Claire, and Will? Will, Hannah, and Claire. Um, so Rebecca was nine and Beth was seven. Okay. So quite a few years. And we were still um, supporting the same group at that point. And they had their children of promise. Mm-hmm. They had a sibling set and it just said from Asia. And we knew that typically in China, you can't get sibling sets just because of the way their system works. Mm-hmm. And so I called my social worker and said, a sibling set from where are they? And she said, well, Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And she said, Taiwanese uh, adoptions are much more Western. Taiwan is a much more Western mm-hmm. country. They mm-hmm. have a whole um, foster care system. They have, it's just different. Right, different. right. And so they do keep sibling sets together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, we kept asking questions and Bill said, are we going to curious ourselves into three more children? I'm like, <laughs> yes, I think we're. <laughs> but um, honestly, there were weeks and months of fasting and prayer. It wasn't just a jump into. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so we, but God really laid these kids on our hearts and we really felt like they were ours. Um, so we began to just ask questions and, uh, the orphanage asked us questions and we asked them questions and, um, and going into it, we had some real strikes against us, um, I was 48. Bill was 48 too, mm-hmm, but my birthday's mm-hmm. a little before his. Mm-hmm. So once you turn 50, international adoptions almost unheard of. Okay. Bill had had a heart attack about three years before, and um, you have to be at least five years out of what they call a major health crisis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we already have four children. That is a huge family in the um, uh, Asian you world. Know, that's world. Right. And mm-hmm, so they mm-hmm. thought you do not need more kids. <laughs> and, uh, We didn't have enough money. I mean, as far as their standards went, how much cushion they expected you to have. So adopting three at one time, they expected a big cushion. They're like, you cannot afford this. (laughs) And, um, you know, we just uh, were like, well, we, we just kept pursuing it. And God kept opening the doors. And the whole process took nine months. Now, whoa, that is unheard of in international adoption. Today, it totally, mm-hmm. but even mm-hmm. back then, mm-hmm. more like 36 months, two years was more the norm. Right. But right. Um, you just know that this was God. Mm-hmm. This was God mm-hmm. moving this forward. Mm-hmm. And these children at that time were 11, 9, and 6. And he had a plan for them. Mm-hmm. And he moved it forward and brought them into our family. And, you know, so. Um, so how old were, when, when the, when Will, um, Claire, and Hannah came home, how old were Beth, Becca, Catherine and Lucinda. Um, oh gracious, I'm not sure how old Catherine and Lucinda were. They were already. Uh, Catherine was already a professional, out of college, working in Charlotte. And this is this is where you see God's hand mm-hmm. in it. She was mm-hmm. working in Charlotte through Teach for America as a uh, ESL or English as a second mm-hmm. language mm-hmm. teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, God moved her back home. Into my house, I had a professional teacher who was trained as an ESL teacher Mm -hmm. when I had three students who did not speak English. Then Lucinda, um, 
she had already graduated. Well, she graduated from college maybe that year. I don't uh, It was soon. Right. right. She was living in uh, Charleston, working in a charter special school. Mm -hmm. And God moved her back home. And Will is our special needs child. And so I had a special needs teacher, professional with experience living in my home, (laughs) who not only had this experience and knowledge, but they had a heart love for these children. And they didn't teach. They had to go get jobs. I right, mean, yeah, right, we, right. We weren't supporting all these people. But um, but they were giving me advice and help and encouragement. Yeah. I mean, imagine that. That really is amazing yeah. to behold the way the Lord works. And so you didn't put um, any of the adopted children in school either. No. No, we... And there again, I had been homeschooling at this point so long right. that it was um, it was our family lifestyle. Right. It was our family rhythm. And so to have three children, uh, an 11-year-old boy who had special needs, no English skills, no knowledge of Western, uh, like they had never lived in a functioning family or lived, had any knowledge of Western, how, how Western countries worked. You or know, really was, had enough food to eat or... Just so many things, just so many things that God, um, so, and then we were, we were still working through, uh, skates at that point and Mm -hmm. they were so gracious. They gave us lots of advice, lots of help, lots of encouragement, but really about three years before we made academic gains. And, you know, that could have really been a big discouragement for me mm-hmm. right <laughs> and right. and scary to think oh, how are we ever gonna how are we ever gonna be ready you know sure. for adulthood um, so let me just say this we keep using the word skates and so for those of you who have listened to the podcast from the beginning you know that that's an organization that joe and i started in 1990 and it, um, we were involved in lawsuits and we finally got legal clearance from the state legislature in 1992 to operate. And it's a full support system for homeschooling parents. And so Bill is actually on the board now. <laughs> um, he's a wonderful attorney and has just been a huge help to us. And so that's SCAE's. But so when you say that SCAE supported you, we also have the special needs segment as well as um, department, as well as high school and mm-hmm. elementary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, you know, if you feel comfortable doing this, tell us the story about taking Will to the orthodontist and what you discovered. Oh, right. Well, he was having such a difficult time. He had severe articulation issues. And he's 11. Right. Okay. So, um, but at this point, he's been in speech. Uh, He's getting close to 12. And um, it doesn't seem like we're making any difference. We, Mm -hmm. We... so I just didn't know. To, I, I was getting pretty desperate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I took him to my orthodontist, who was a wonderful friend from my church, and said, would you just look at him? Is there anything structurally about his jaw, his tongue? Uh, can you see any reason why he cannot articulate? And so he took all of these x-rays, which he did not charge me for at all for any of the kids. Um, and he said, no structurally he's good but he said do you realize there's a metal ball in his ear and like, well no <laughs> so I took him to my other friend he goes to my church I tell you I, I cannot I, it would be another whole podcast of how many people came alongside me so I don't want anyone listening to this to think wow that woman was great all the stuff she did 
I had so many people, not only my two adult daughters coming alongside me, but so many people Mm -hmm. who came alongside. Mm -hmm. Um, But Tammy, you didn't know you would have all that when you committed to adopt the three, it's like you moved in faith and the Lord met your faith exceedingly abundantly all that you could ever ask. Right. Right. With people that just came alongside. So this friend who is a professional ENT, I said, would you look at his ears or something in his Mm -hmm. ears? So he began to clean out his ears with a teeny, teeny little uh, vacuum cleaner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He, both ears were totally stuffed with debris, airsoft pellets, pieces of broken pencil, um, metal balls. It's just stuff, 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 stuff. Um, And all I can say is he came from a, a home, uh, background of deprivation and neglect is what mm-hmm, they say. Mm-hmm. And we both know that even when you're looking at your child, they can find that one Cheerio that you didn't, yeah, right, you know, right. vacuum up. And so you think about a child that no one's really paying attention mm-hmm. to all the things on the floor they mm-hmm, can get into. Mm-hmm. He's a kid stuck it in his ears. So uh, he was basically deaf yes, at that point. Yes. And so then they, when we began to realize that, and analyze his speech. His speech is much more like a deaf person trying to talk by just watching you move your mouth. Interesting. I re- I remember what you told me when he walked outside after having his ears cleared out. Yes. So he cleared out his ears and um, Will said, the birds are loud. <laughs> <laughs> but, so the um, things he hadn't been hearing. Right. And um, But he had no damage to his ears. All that stuff. That's and his amazing. ears were perfectly healthy and his hearing is perfectly healthy that that boy. God had preserved mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. all these years. So um, then we begin speech again. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and in that, I also had other professionals come alongside me who did uh, piano lessons that helped with the hearing and uh, uh, singing lessons, you know, all mm-hmm. these things that helped him with articulation and voicing and um uh, just self-esteem, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. just ways that people came alongside mm-hmm, us and mm-hmm. encouraged him. Well, so what would you tell people about adoption today? People who are thinking about it, praying about it, or like you, and have never thought about it. What would you say about adoption? Um, first of all, I really feel like that God g- gave me uh, to... Um, you know, like standards that we need to look at. One is Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds Mm -hmm. the house, you're working in vain. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, you're laboring. This is, this is God's work. Mm -hmm. He is at work redeeming the world. Mm -hmm. He's calling people to himself. He has a plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for, for his own purposes, his plan is to work through us. So we felt called to, to adopt these three kids. And, and uh, be honest, there are a lot of people who were not um, enthusiastic. About oh, it. you had very little support. I remember this because I remember praying with you. There were just people who, I mean, people thought you were crazy for adopting a sibling set of three after you already had four children. Right, right. And, you know, why are what are you, you know, it, it really was the idea. What are you trying to prove? What are you trying to accomplish? Um, you know, I had one person say to me, do you understand that older children have issues? <laughs> Actually, we all have issues. <laughs> <It> just, <yeah. laughs> but um, 
But so, so I asked the Lord at one point, this is your plan. Tell me again, why am I doing this? <laughs> what, what really are you trying to accomplish? Mm-hmm. And the Lord's, I felt like gave me and said, first of all, it's easier to tell you what you are not doing. What you are not doing is saving anybody. There is a savior of the world. It is not you. Mm-hmm. You are not rescuing these children. And God assured me that he is sovereign. He is sovereign over the whole world and that people don't go to heaven because they speak English, because they have a good education, because they have good health care. They go to heaven because God, the Holy Spirit works in their life. And he can do that anywhere, anytime, Mm -hmm. in any circumstance. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need me to intervene so that this happens. Mm -hmm. Um, But that it is for his own glory and for his own purposes Uh, children reach their full potential best when they're in a family situation. Mm -hmm. And so what he was calling me to do was to be the mom. And I had been a mom for years. This was something I had experience in. I I had a vision for, I sort of knew what it looked like. So that's what I needed to do. That was a doable job. Right. And so God said, that's what I want you to do, to be the mom. So Psalm 127, Unless the Lord builds the house. So if he's building this house, then he's going to, I don't have to. That's right. They labor in vain who build it. But when you're doing it with him, it's this joint venture with God. And I just think that's the beauty of adoption. Then we see what he did for us Mm -hmm. in adopting us through Christ in such a precious special right? Right. And you know, the other, other scriptures where he talks about, um, when people are coming before him, it's at the end, you know, and he says, oh, you, I know you, you are the ones who brought me a cup of cold water when I was, you know, in prison or visited me in prison or brought me, you know, when I was needy. And they're like, when did I do that? And he said, when you do it to the least of these. And so when we look, God doesn't, he doesn't call us to these huge, huge events that seem overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's just do that thing, do that next thing. Um supply clean dishes and clean clothes and a warm, you know, meal and home. And then the next thing. And, uh, and God was gracious Mm -hmm. and making that happen. So, well, you know, there's that verse. I can remember when Joe and I first started homeschooling, the one thing I wanted for my kids is that they had a servant heart. And I went to so many organizations to see if we could volunteer together, but the boys are four and six. Nobody knew about homeschooling. And they would say, Miss Tyler, go put your kids in school and we'd love to have you volunteer. (laughs) And so, you know, the cry of my heart is, Lord, how can I teach them to serve if we can't serve together? Right. And so the verse the Lord gave me, and I know that you've talked about this a lot, is James 127, that pure and undefiled religion is this, that we look after orphans and widows in their distress. And so for us, it was a ministry to widows for many, many years as a family. For you, it's probably been both because I know you've cared for a lot of parents. You've cared for people in your church. And and then you took in orphans. It's so funny to call your kids orphans because they're not. But you took them in when they needed, uh, when they were in their distress. Right, when they were orphans. Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. And in distress. And so I just think... um, Homeschooling is such a great tool for service because you do it as a family. You teach 
children, I mean, the lessons Catherine and Lucinda learned as y'all are going through this to pray, first of all, right, and then to serve, and then your children, um, you know, the ones who were adopted, the things they've learned, and they're amazing children, amazing adults in their own right. So you've graduated now, all of them from high school, yep, yep. which is pretty amazing. Thanks again for joining us today for this important discussion. I hope you'll make sure to join us next week as we conclude the conversation with my dear friend Tammy about all things homeschooling, teaching kids with special needs, and also the importance of service and adoption in our homeschooling. Until next week, we'll see you then. Bye.